When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat NFL on Twitter, and Paul is fanatic underscore pick. That's fanatic with a PH. So the NFL draft is over, wrapped up a few days ago. Be sure to check out our player-by-player breakdown. We appreciate all the feedback on there. And... Paul, it was a it was quite a three days for the Dolphins. We we've talked through all that. You know, we've had a couple of days to sleep on this now. Has anything changed in your mind uh, for for the better or the worse for the Dolphins' 2020 draft class? Not a bit. I I really love what what Flores and Greer have done here, and. It's you know I, I like seeing the fact that we we hit on a few things. One example I'll use is you know we're talking about Robert Hunt and the fact that we were talking about viewing him as as being in line to be that starting bookend tackle. And sure enough, the Dolphins released their little pictures of here's our draft picks, everybody, and there's the little T right there in the bottom right corner with his position uh, of tackle. So I mean, seeing things like that, you know, it, it's I just I love the fact that these guys are set up to be good this year, but the Dolphins drafted for leadership, athleticism, and upside. So they're good players now, but they're ones that have a tremendous ceiling, and I, I absolutely love that. And I see some of that reflected in their undrafted class. Yeah, you bet. And looking at a few things, I, I, I'll go into to a couple of, of things I'm, I'm feeling a little bit differently on. Not not nothing too much, but yeah, I like that Robert Hunt. Looks like he's going to start out at right tackle because. Let's face it, offensive tackle is more of a premier position uh, than center or guard. And when you do that, uh, you're going to have a lot of uncertainty at both tackle spots with Austin Jackson, with Robert Hunt, but you're also able to push those resources inside. So Jesse Davis should be moving inside to that right guard spot. And it's not a huge surprise. Robert Hunt played right tackle uh, when he was at Louisiana, and, and he did a heck of a job, and he certainly has the size for it. You know, Looking at the draft class in general, I, I was I, I've become more appreciative of how diverse the class was because you, you take a chance with two of there at five with the injury. Uh, you take a couple of risks with upside players in Austin Jackson and Noah Igbenogany, and but then also you take Robert Hunt, Raekwon Davis, and Brandon Jones, three players who can really come in and assume roles immediately and may be able to contribute there on day one. Completely. And, and I think we're going to see at a minimum, and this is going to sound weird as all hell to say their first six draft picks, five of them can come in and contribute immediately on day one. The only one that I don't think contributes immediately on day one is Tua, who I think is going to be behind um, 
Fitzpatrick, assuming that learning role while he continues to heal up and play play it a little safe with his hip, which I, I really want to see. And it's not nothing against Tua when I say that. I want him to be 1,000% recovered before he sets foot on that field during the season. Yeah, no, I don't think it's it sounds weird at all, and and I think that's really the expectation at that at, at this point. I mean, if he's if he's playing week one, I think that's a mistake. Uh, at the very least, I expect him to go on pup, and if not, you know, really be sidelined the entire 2021 season. And if that's the case, you can look at Tua as a 2021 first round pick, and then you still have two ones and two seconds. So, you know, I I don't want to say we're pushing things off, but it's definitely a team that is. Uh, building here for the future and part of the players that that go into that that talent pool were undrafted free agents last year from the Dolphins I mean they signed 18 undrafted free agents last year and out of that class six of them ended up starting at least one football game and I mean it's not and part of that has to do as well with with how terrible talent wise the Dolphins were on the roster but they also did have a very good class I mean Preston Williams starts seven games was on his way to record setting uh, receiving yards for an undrafted free agent in his rookie year before he got hurt should be starting this year Nick Needham starts 11 games at cornerback he was quite a find he should factor in as a sixth or seventh defensive back if not a fifth defensive back this year um, Shaq Calhoun started seven games at right guard. He'll have a competition with probably Solomon Kinley um, for, for playing time and potentially a roster spot. Patrick Laird starts four games, was definitely a find late in the season. Jonathan Ledbetter started the first game, got a sack, then got hurt, and unfortunately he was cut the other day. Montre Hardage also made the team, started a game, and was also actually cut the other day and signed by the New York Giants. And uh, Chris uh, Myrick and Terrell Hanks were on the Dolphins practice squad all year. And Hanks, unfortunately, was just cut. But y- you get the picture here, Paul. Out of these 18 Dolphins draft picks, they did come away with, you know, looking at four or five players that should be contributing moving forward. They should. And I'm going to actually use that to segue right into um, – a little bit with with this year's crop of undrafted free agents, which they didn't sign nearly as many. And let's face it, they have a lot less of a CFL roster as as we move forward here. And one of the things I think that sets Miami apart in this process is every year you hear about these teams where, you know, the third round, you know, it, it's your def- a defensive or offensive coordinator calling the player, letting them know that they're on the team. You know, first, second round, it's the GM, the head coach, a little conference call, having some fun with the guy, you name it. Um, you look at the regular draft, it was Greer and or Flores calling every player from start to finish. And then um, – there's a receiver Miami signed from McKendry State as an undrafted this year. McKendry State is a college, Division II, one of the smallest colleges on the planet. It looks like a high school stadium with grainy snuff footage when you watch the film. And it, uh, it's literally middle of nowhere in the Midwest. And this guy had 21 
scouts of 21 different teams come to watch him play last year. And if you watch the tape, he was easily the best player on the field. Sports Illustrated actually wound up featuring him as their prospect X leading up to the draft without giving away who it was. Had teams calling him like crazy, messaging with his agent, you name it. Teams upset. Teams calling him, possibly trying to draft him as early as the fifth round. And you watch his tape, and and Cole immediately jumps off. He's a monster gunner on special teams to the point that when they did kickoffs, they basically pushed everything to his side on kickoffs to have him be the gunner down the field. You see him level blockers, even though he's only, I think it's 5'10", a buck 97, leveling uh-huh. blockers and making the tackles. And then he's returning punts, returning kicks. He's explosive with the ball in his hands. And you, you can't help but notice he's a guy that fits right in. And it was Flores that called the man directly to ask him to be a Miami Dolphin. Not well, some regional scout, not some, you know, special teams assistant somewhere. Flores calling each and every prospect directly to recruit them to the team when other teams are just, a, you know, an executive sending a text message. Yeah, and Matt Cole, actually, I'm I'm very familiar with McKendry College because it's about 45 minutes away from where I am in St. Louis. And for those that don't know me, I went to Lindenwood University here in St. Charles, Missouri, and I was a national collegiate bowler, believe it or not. And McKendry was actually our biggest rival in college. So I, I'm very familiar with them, and I've I've watched Lindenwood versus McKendry football games. Haven't seen Matt Cole in person, but yeah, Paul, that, that's you, you gave some great information there. He, this is somebody who you know even at a small level of of, of competition, had 43 catches for 939 yards and 12 touchdowns um, here last year, and 27 yards per kick return, 26 yards on average on punt return, played special teams. And the Dolphins always seem to come away with these, with these wide receivers uh, who, are after, who are undrafted free agents. Uh, Preston Williams, you remember uh, DeMaurier Stringfellow from a couple of years ago. Uh, they, they always seem to get these guys who, who either make the roster or almost make the roster. So, yeah, he, he's a fascinating guy. And he, before they were able to – uh, or before the whole coronavirus thing happened here and everything was shut down, he was able to work out at Northwestern's Pro Day, ran a 4.48, uh, and had a 37.5-inch vertical. As a comparison, Jerry Judy only had a 34.5. Not saying Cole's a better player by any means, but this is somebody who, who does have the speed and the athleticism too. So you combine that with the special team's ability, you know, you, you could be talking about somebody who is challenging you know, Alan Hearns and Isaiah Ford, who may not be able to make as much of an impact on special teams. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the special teams piece. He was the uh, middle of nowhere conference. You can probably elaborate on this special teams player of the year. The guy squats 500 pounds. You see him doing backflips after every game. I mean, it's, he just oozes athleticism. You watch the footage. He's, he's very obviously a leader for this team and, and possibly the leader for the team. And talk about deep cuts to find. No offense, I know they were your biggest rival, but that's a pretty damn deep cut to to be going to McKendree State for a pro team 
you know, it feels like they have to take a boat. There's a guy with a torch that leads you there, you know, that type of stuff. But in all seriousness, Miami got athleticism and leadership across the board with a lot of these undrafted free agents. Yeah. And to piggyback on that, something I do for draft day is the entire time of leading up to, to draft day, I aim, aim to have a list of 350 prospects based on what I've heard, where they've been consensusly ranked on one sheet. The Dolphins got, uh, after the draft, they got three players that were still on this list. Matt Cole was one of them. And another one was wide receiver Kirk Merritt out of Arkansas State. This is somebody who is six foot, 210 pounds. Uh, he started out at Oregon, transferred. He was dismissed from Texas A&M for, as it was described, indecent exposure. I don't know too many details about that, but uh, he went to the Sun Belt Conference there with Arkansas State. He was the newcomer of the year, had over 1,000 yards um, in 2018. And then in 2019, he had 800 yards and also, like Matt Cole, 12 touchdowns. He's a good size at six foot, 210, stocky, can stack the cornerback. If there's a highlight reel of him on, on YouTube and on Twitter of him making a lot of plays in traffic, and that's what you can expect there. So, yeah, both of these guys, let's face it, they're undrafted wide receivers. They're, they face an uphill battle to make the team. But, you know, we saw a lot make the roster here last year, too. But, Paul, as far as uh, the other guy, uh, d- defensive tackle Benito Jones, and you can talk about. Well, hold, hold. before before we move on to Benito, I just want to comment on, on Kirk. I mean, you watch footage of Merritt, and, and I know he makes a lot of catches in traffic, but you see, just the, for one, he's a player that just every time you see him, he explodes off the off the film. It's the moves he makes and the body control, the way he at times you see him get tripped up by a player break the tackle, and while he's still stumbling, regaining his balance, he's still pulling away from the defense, it, which you don't see a lot of that. You see a lot of people get slowed down. Somehow he still manages to speed up as he's recovering his balance, and that, that's an impressive trait to me. And, and the catch radius that you see with him on film, it, it's amazing. Yeah, he's he's a physically talented player. I mean, uh, this is somebody I, I very easily thought could have been drafted in the later rounds. And I, I think maybe his lack of experience on special teams is, factors into why a player like this doesn't get drafted in the later rounds as well. So, yeah, e- and even if these guys don't make the roster, they could also find them w- their way on the practice squad. Um, as far as Benito Jones goes, this is somebody that I was really surprised wasn't drafted. I mean, I had him in our mock drafts in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. I always had the Dolphins taking some sort of backup nose tackle. Usually it was Bravarian Roy from Baylor who went in the sixth round. But I I had Benito Jones on there a couple of times and then took him off. Paul, I remember specifically that you had Benito Jones in a couple of your mock drafts here too, and the Dolphins end up getting him. Uh, What did you like about him? I mean, there was a ton to like about him. I mean, I, I you know me, I'm, I'm always a guy that falls more for late round D tackles than early round D tackles, unless somebody just dominates like a Javon Kinlaw. But I just, you watch him at the point of attack and the guy was a plug. I mean, it just, 
you don't see him get pushed back on uh, very often, if at all. And I mean, he's a guy I was talking about even in our draft day hangouts videos um, as the rounds wore on as a guy that was, that was still sitting out there available uh, as well as actually Bryce Sterk. I think I mentioned a few times and took a few times. So I was ecstatic seeing Miami get both of those guys. Although we'll talk about Sterk in a minute. Yeah. And Benito is, is somebody that you know, I, again, easily could have seen going as if you were to ask me, where, where's he going to go in the draft before it happened? I would have said fifth round. He, he becomes an undrafted free agent. Glad the Dolphins jumped all over him. Uh, Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network, I was listening to his podcast after the draft. He was really surprised he wasn't drafted. Also said, too, that had Benito come out last year, he would have been possibly a second or third round pick. Third round pick. He is a five-star defensive tackle out of high school, was the 25th overall high school prospect in 2016, and second behind only Jeffrey Simmons at the defensive tackle spot. Uh, he has a daughter and his dad died just a few days before the start of his NCAA college season. He's short and stocky, but he can move for his size. So he's not just a run plugger. He, he can also move. The big question with him has always been consistency. So he looks good on one play, looks bad on another. And that was kind of the same thing from one year to another. And to a certain point, you've got to ask, why is a player like this so inconsistent from one year to another? Um, but Mississippi, Miami Dolphins coaching, a little bit different. So we could see the light click on a little bit more quickly there for Benito Jones. But, Paul, you also mentioned Bryce Sterk there from Montana State, 6'4", 262, 4'7", uh, 34 and a 34.5-inch vert, long arms, Man, I mean, on paper, it's like, how the heck did this guy go undrafted? Yeah, no, I took him in a few mock drafts to play DN. And much to my surprise, the Dolphins, I guess, engaged with him a few weeks ago and started talking about if they were to draft him, if he'd be willing to make a switch to tight end, which tight end is a position that he hasn't played since high school. Uh, and this is a guy that, really projected as a situational pass rusher at the next level. Uh, he had 15 sacks last year, eight and a half sacks the year before. Last year he had 20 tackles for loss. Um, just explosive uh, busting into the backfield from off tackle. And and surprisingly, you know, I, I saw him tweet out that, you know, he was going to the Dolphins as a tight end. And I looked at that and went, oh, that's just a sense of humor because he's supposedly a pretty big jokester. And sure enough, the Dolphins listed him as a tight end, which just, wow. Um, okay. Interesting. Uh, but you know what? It's He's excited about it from what I hear. And I'm, I'm really intrigued because he's got monstrous size. And if, if he can be that, that blocker for you uh, with the power that he's got, he could end up being a steal because he, he's completely – a ridiculous athlete. And I like the eagerness that he's showing here. Yeah. And when you're six, four, two sixty two, and you run a four, seven, I mean, in comparison, the first tight end that was taken was Cole Komet. He was what? Six, five and a half, two sixty. ran a four, seven. I mean, so again, not comparing them as players, but the measurables are not far off. And he, he's somebody too, that you might be able to stash, if he impresses on the bottom of your roster or have on the practice squad to continue to develop um, two offensive linemen that the dolphins also, also nabbed 
um, offensive tackle Nick Kaltmeyer from uh, Kansas State. He took over for uh, Dalton Risner at K-State for uh, this past year after Risner was drafted in the second round by the Broncos. Um, didn't work out well. I mean, 5'6", 440, 18 bench press reps, so not all that great there. A better run blocker than a pass protector. He transferred from uh, Western Illinois in 2015 to Kansas State and was kind of a backup until this past year. Uh, played okay. Um, overall, Dane Brugler uh, had this to say, and by the way, I highly recommend Dave, Dane Brugler's uh, uh, guide from The Athletic as well. He said, overall, Colt Meyer falls below the NFL standards as an athlete, but he shows the ability to win early and sustain with his tough-minded approach, which gives him a shot. So kind of that lunch pail type of right tackle. Uh, we'll see if there's room for him on the active roster. And also uh, Denell Stanley from uh, South Carolina, 6'3", 324, kind of fits that same mold the Dolphins have been looking for with Shaq Calhoun and Solomon Kinley, that kind of barrel-chested offensive guard. Um, CBS's Brett Tesler said that he's a versatile guard center who many teams were interested in, and he ended up picking the Dolphins. So he's also, again, kind of a, a theme. You know, the, the Dolphins were able to nab a few players here, five or six of them we've mentioned so far, that were hot commodities here among other teams before they were signed. Yeah. And when your head coach and your GM are the ones that are making the recruiting calls to these guys, it, it pays dividends. I mean, it, it really seems like Miami had their pick of the litter. I mean, you look at, and, and I'm going to go back to Stirk for a second. The fact that not only did Miami convince him to convert to tight end, they also told him if, if they were to sign him as an undrafted free agent to play tight end, they wouldn't, they wouldn't pursue any other tight ends to join the roster. So that, that's how much they believe in this kid. So, and, and got them to believe or him to believe in them. Um, so, I mean, and, and each player, as, as, as I went through the list for the, for the ones I, I wasn't as familiar with, it, they ooze leadership like Lima, the defensive tackle there. He, um, he did, he did tend to get pushed around at times, but his coaching staff, according to Barry Jackson, basically came out and said that he was the the leader in that locker room, the heart and soul of everything they did, and they wouldn't have gotten where they did without him. And the fact that whenever it was third or fourth and one or the a game is on the line situation, he came alive and, and lit things up. So I don't expect him to make the active roster. But he could be somebody that as as his strength gets up there and he gets a little bit better at the point of attack, the leadership is something that makes him stick to see what he's got in him uh, for, for coaches like Flores. Yeah, it's getting a little more congested there at that defensive tackle spot. Ray Lima from Iowa State, you were talking about. Yeah, a good size, 6'3", 316, three-year starter there at Iowa State. 5'2", uh, doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot. Um, it kind of average numbers across the board, but if somebody that can uh, step up with his experience and put that to use, maybe he can transition to the NFL game a little bit faster. So we, we started with the best, uh, you know, they, we've got a few more guys here that, uh, you know, really Paul, I, I looked a little bit into, but you know, I, th I think they face kind of an uphill battle. Uh, Tyshawn Render, Render from middle Tennessee state, six four two sixty should be uh, somebody who, fights for a back role behind Emmanuel Agba 
and Shaq Lawson at, at that spot. Kylan Johnson, linebacker from Pittsburgh, 6'1", 231, and ran that 4'7", 540. That, I say, is my cutoff there. But So he really needs to show the intelligence. But after transferring from Florida this past year at Pittsburgh, he had seven sacks and 11 tackles for loss. So did put up good numbers. So we'll see if he, he's able to play a little bit faster than he times. And then uh, today at the time we're recording, guard John Hubbard out of Northwestern State. Um, undersized for a tackle at, at 6'4", 292 pounds. Needs to add some weight. It's going to move from tackle to guard most likely. So, yeah, that's going to do it. We, we don't have to go through 18 of these guys like we did last year, Paul. Which is also one less than the number of draft picks I had in our final mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. And, and, well, and before before we sign off here, I, I – not really on the undrafted free agent front. I just want to thank everybody for the feedback that we've been been getting out on on YouTube and, and our other outlets. Um, it's been super awesome interacting with everybody throughout this whole draft process. I mean, what a fun off season it's been so far. I don't know. If, I, I'm pretty sure you agree with me there. Oh yeah, it's it's been phenomenal. And and you know, this selfishly for us really after the football season ends, you know, we get right to work on free agents and, and the draft to fill that after time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, immediately. We're doing that in October, even in a good year. You that, know that's right. But yeah, January through April, I mean, it really helps us, you know, watch film and, and, and prep these shows and, and provide this info. And we're big on, we want to provide this for you in half an hour. We don't want to talk about, what we had for lunch, where we went bowling, uh, all this other stuff that these other shows tend to talk about sometimes, not naming anybody in particular. But Paul, even before we sign off, I can't help but notice, I'm looking at the punters that are out there, and um, there were a th- couple of them that have not been signed yet. And the biggest one is Joe Charlton from South Carolina, who I thought might have been drafted. It, and so. In my mind, I'm thinking, why hasn't this guy been signed yet? Maybe he's fielding offers from other teams. And then I start just catching myself and thinking, yeah, have I really gone so far? I'm convincing myself that punter Joe Charlton from from South Carolina is is just fighting fighting these teams off with a stick and is saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to be like LeBron James and call a press conference to make my decision. I don't know. Maybe I've completely lost my mind on these punters. <laughs> The only the thing I'm waiting for now is when Miami finally finally brings in a punter to 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 battle in camp. Is you ordering that punter's jersey? That, that that's that, that that's going to be the, he's going to win the job and then break his leg in the shower or get caught with like freaking uh, just yeah we'll we'll just leave it at get caught with something. Yeah, uh, I yeah. Uh, and, 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 and curse. Hey, hey, maybe maybe <laughs> it could be an appropriate risk for me to take, uh, you know, as far as the jerseys are concerned, where, hey, e- even if he falls down the steps, which he in- inevitably will, if, if if I get his jersey after he signed, then, um, you know, it's only a punter, you know, it's not. 
Fuck, that's how, yeah, we, your steps is a best case scenario after you buy a jersey. <laughs> that, that, that's right. So I, I've promised you, I've promised my wife, I'm not going to buy any more. I'm afraid to even buy the retired players at this point. So um, that's going to do it for our Maybe breakdown. They're dead. Just go back, find a player from the 60s who's passed away and buy their jersey. They'll, they'll end up more dead. Um, yeah, right. Somebody will dig them up and throw them like uh, – yeah, this has devolved. <laughs> it has, it has. But yeah, really, thank thank you, everybody, for uh, for joining us along this ride here. And the uh, cool thing is, with extra first, second, and sixth round picks next year, uh, we've got 10 already, so we're going to be able to do this again all, all uh, next offseason. But we have a whole season of football to play here in 2020 for the Miami Dolphins. We hope you're with us for that. I'm Brian Cat. NFL on Twitter, PaulusFanatic underscore pick. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the thin side. So, D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin side. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the thin Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.